today we're talking about a core value message. Core values are so important. Values, usually we hear this talked about in terms of child rearing, right? You want your children taught certain values so that you, you hold, they hold to them in a moment uh, of where they could go the opposite direction, maybe a moment of distress or a moment of, of decision. Um, uh, and so values are essential to, any, to anyone, to anybody. And uh, when we talk about us as a group, um, uh, that, that values are really essential so that we can make life decisions, right? Uh, values would be huge for us. Um, it's what shapes a culture, uh, and it brings us into a deeper level of agreement. Um, uh, so the culture or the core value that we're talking about uh, today is being focused on God's presence. I'm going to move real quick because that's squeaking real bad. Um, you want to talk more than that? No, no, no. I'm just going to sit right here. But our core value is being focused on God's presence, Audrey. And um, because God's presence is something that should help us make life decisions. Israel in the Old Testament, they didn't follow just signs and wonders. They didn't follow just the voice of people. They followed the presence of God. They followed the fire. They followed the, uh, the cloud where the fire went, they went. When the cloud moved, they moved. And that was the value system for them. So regardless of their circumstances, they gathered around the presence. And so core values are something that you have to develop and realize that it is so essential to all of your decisions in life. When you have a core value, it means it's a governing value. It is a decision-making value in your heart when you value uh, the presence. The life of God is in his presence. That's why we take time to wait on God. We don't just sing songs. We, we interject in those songs moments where we say, God, we, we welcome you. Come in this place. Why? Because we want to move beyond the sound of songs and we want to have an experience with God's presence. We want to experience Him. Um, and so I think a lot of the, the times there's a, a concern about the, about the value because um, they think, well, what about the Word? What about the Word of God? Like, don't we follow the Word? Don't we follow what the Word says? What I will tell you is that you're going to follow the presence and whatever God speaks to you in the presence will never contradict what's in the Word. The Word will always solidify it. But I want to tell you that if you, uh, Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures, in their case, the old covenant, you search the scriptures because you think that in them is eternal life. What eternal life, we recall from our studies, eternal life is intimate knowing God. So let's say this again. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the religious people today, you guys believe that knowing God intimately is knowing the scriptures. And then Jesus says, but these scriptures testify of me. And so Jesus was addressing a misconception that they thought that if they studied this old letter of the law, that they would know God intimately. And Jesus says, not so. He says, they testify of me. Meaning the word of God should carry you into an experience with the presence. The word of God should carry you into connection. So Jimmy, when you read your Bible... Or even listening to your Bible, when you hear a scripture that stands out to you, it should bring you into connection with God. If it brings you into connection with God, then you've, you've, that's it. That was the goal. 
when we're sitting down and if we're reading a prophet per day or whatever, and we're looking at the Bible, and there's a slogan there, there's a, or there's a verse there that really stands out to us, meditate on it, on it until it brings you into the presence. That is the value that we want to have. So I want to define this a little bit, the value of being focused on his presence. It means our first ministry is to God. As we behold him, we're moved to worship with joyous passion. Our first ministry is to God himself. So we obviously have a lot of ministry endeavors that we do. We have Tuesday night house of prayer. We try to get people together to come pray. And uh, once a quarter, we do a 21-day fast and prayer where we try to get people to gather for 21 days to pray, 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 fast, fast, seek the Lord. That is the ministry of a house of prayer. We're active missionaries. We go, come and go into wars all the time. We're, we're going to help our friends, Gil and Marcella, uh, do ministry endeavors over there. We're going to help open doors for them uh, to help them launch. We go speak in churches over there on occasion. Um, we do a lot of outer ministries. We do a lot of ministry to the homeless. That's our kind of our regular weekly thing that we normally do. Um, uh, we're buying property downtown. We're, we're starting a ranch. Like there's a lot of outgo of ministry. But the focus on his presence core value is that your first ministry is to him. The Bible calls us in the book of in First Peter that we are a royal priesthood. I mean, every person is a priest. It's not just me talking or the other guy talking. Every person is a priest before God. That means if you're a priest before God that you can minister to him. You can talk to him and you can bless him. You know what it's like to be blessed is Jimmy got this gift card to Best Buy so he can buy a GoPro. That's a blessing. Half the money. Yeah, yeah, it's a portion of the money. So that he can... So that gift card came as a blessing. And so that blessed him. And so Jimmy's like, yay! He received something in the mail. He's like, yes! And it warmed his heart. So being focused on his presence is we can bless God. We have something that he values, and it's our praise and our worship. Sometimes it's sacrificial praise and worship. Sometimes it's praising when you don't feel like it. Sometimes it's praising when things don't look like they're going the direction you think they should be going, when the answer that you're looking for isn't quite there yet, or the outer circumstances don't reflect what's in your heart. That costly praise, it value, it's valuable in heaven. You know, once you go to heaven, you'll never have another sacrifice of praise. It'll never happen again because it won't be a sacrifice. You'll be in his presence. You'll be on streets of gold. You will be there. It will cost you nothing. This is a short time, a short window in all of eternity, just a blip in eternity, in light of eternity, that we can bring God a costly praise, a praise that costs us something. Valuing him. I, I really believe that that is the most valuable thing in heaven. Because there's, there, you know, if you want to define value in terms of economics, you know, the houses are selling for high values right now because there's a limited supply of houses. And so people are paying high dollar for a house maybe 10 years ago would be half as much. So the value is based on its availability. And so if there is no available sacrifices of praise in heaven, how valuable is that praise? How valuable is that song that costs you 
everything that costs your emotions, that costs your mind, that costs what you hear with your ears and all of the noise. How valuable is that to God? This is being focused on His presence. Our first ministry is to God. As we behold Him, we are moved to worship with joyous passion. You know, the longer we see Him, the more time we spend, you know, Brian, doing that hour in the presence, the more you do it. It's like it awakens something in you. It awakens a passion. It awakens a reality of, I'm engaging God, and you become passionate about worshiping Him. Psalm 27, verse 4. Jonathan, can you quote it? One thing. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing. Yeah. One thing that I ask the Lord is only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Keep going, almost, always. Um, One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. So the Word shapes the core value. It's not a ignoring the Word. That value comes from the Word, actually. You know, Scripture is loaded with this value system. You know, values are like lenses that you start to see through. You take them and you put them on. Jimmy's got glasses on the way. And when he puts them on, things will become a little bit more clear. And things will come into more focus. So in a culture of focusing on his presence, we're, take, we're taking some lenses and we're sharpening ourselves, sharpening our vision for the presence. Scripture says that that's the one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall see that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. One thing, meaning it is the great single obsession of our life, is to know God intimately. The great obsession of your life is not to be successful, it's not to be achieve your dream or achieve whatever. Like It says, the one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's another scripture in Psalms that says that I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Like, just to, if I can be the doorman at the Lord's house, I'm not happy. Like, that, that is the, that's the value. So David was known as a man after God's own heart. He's the author of this psalm. And so what we want to take is that value. So, you know, if I could just be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. It is your chief value. We make major life decisions based on the presence. Again and again and again. We've learned that that's the safest thing to do, actually. That the worst thing you could do is make decisions outside of His presence. Once God's presence breathes on something, when we're praying about something, when we're praying about the noble property, it was one moment in the presence where I felt the presence of God come in a greater measure than normal. And I knew we're going for this. I'm two feet in and I'm believing God to see something supernatural because my choice, my decision was made in the presence and so I can make my decision in faith. You know, Steve Backlund says, a decision, a bad decision made in faith, God can do more with that than a good decision made in doubt. So Luke chapter 10, verse 39 through 42, it says, She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. So she was listening to God's word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, 
Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worthy, worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And so we have one who is completely focused on the presence. And the other, it says that she was distracted by many things. And so the value system of being focused on his presence means that his presence is more valuable than the work that needs to be done. You know, what? something that I've, I've done my best to discipline myself in the mornings is get time with God. Get time with God. Is there work that needs to be done? Absolutely. Are there things I need to get to? Are there people waiting for my return phone call? Are there people waiting for a return email? Has someone shot me a text with something in their heart that they want talked about? Yeah, all these different things are there. But I have to make that one thing the priority. It is the value system. And Jesus says, this only one thing is necessary. Listen to that. One thing. It comes again. David says, one thing I, I desire that I should seek. And then Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good part. And it will not be taken away from her. You know what that means? That God has spoken his word that your desire for the presence will not be taken away from you. He says that's the one thing that you need. It's the one thing if you will hold to the value of I'm going to seek God. I'm going to seek him with all my heart. He says that's all you need right there. If you will do that, everything is in him. Everything is in his presence. James chapter 4 verse 8 says draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So God says, if you come near to him, he will come near to you. It's a promise that if you take time to come close, God Almighty says, I will come close to you. What a wonderful promise. Like the king of the universe says, I'm going to come close to you. But you have to choose to come near to him. Okay? Psalm chapter 1 Verses 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. So this is really unique. It talks about the one who meditates on his law day and night. He's like a, like a tree firmly, firmly planted by streams of water. And it yields its fruit in season. And its leaf doesn't ever weather. That means you're always thriving if you live in the presence. There's, there's a conscious effort that we can make to be with God. To sit with Him. There's a conscious effort, an actual choice to come and be with God. The value is there because we have to make a choice. Choices are going to come every single day. Values help you make the right choice. That's why we're, we're talking about the presence this morning. Uh, John chapter 4 verse 23 says, But an hour is coming now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is looking for people with this value. The Father is on the hunt. He's seeking them. Last night we, were, we, were, we went to a village inn and we got a late breakfast, ate pancakes last night. And uh, we were coming back and Audrey had some coins in her hand. And when we were walking back to the car, she dropped some on the ground, remember? Yeah, yeah and dropped some on the ground. And then she started just 
just looking, you know, if you've ever seen someone just looking intently for something, it's like you're blocking out everything to seek and find that little coin. And then we found it. Two. Oh, two or three, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. And then we found it. But it was the picture of seeking. And it's what seeking looks like. You're, you're looking for something. Jimmy has a snake hook. And he wants to use his snake hook to catch rattlesnakes. Which we're discouraging him from doing at the moment. The point is, is that Jimmy's out in the desert at the ranch. And he's intently seeking, looking. It says, does the father seeking for worshipers like that? Just like Jimmy would go look for a snake and you're looking for that snake. Or Audrey's out and she's looking for that coin. It's just the father in the same heart is looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. There's like this innocence about a child when they're looking for something. You know, they're, just, they're so fixed on it. Since the Father's looking for worshipers like that. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, Yet you are holy, O you who are, who are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In other words, He comes and has a seat on your praises. When someone sits down, it's, uh, I think of inviting Freddie into the house right now, and I say, Freddie, come and have a seat. Be at home. Be comfortable. Have a seat. That's what it says, that the Father is enthroned. He has a seat on the praises of Israel. That's where he's most comfortable. And so if we learn to have that value for his presence, we're going to welcome the presence of the king all the time because he's comfortable. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit or do not quench the Spirit. Two different places. I have to find the verse exactly. One says do not grieve. The other says do not quench. But grieving means he's not comfortable sitting there. To quench means like the water is running and you turn it off. So if the presence of God, of God is moving, it says, don't quench it. Don't turn it off. But grieving is like uh, offending almost. It's like, ugh, I don't feel comfortable here. When we have a heart for God's presence, is I feel so comfortable there. He's not grieved by it. You're not going to grieve the Holy Spirit by bringing Him worship. God delights in us and has always desired to be with us. We focus on his presence because we've discovered that he is focused on us. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 4, 4 through 5. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. So it says he chose us. God made a choice and chose us. You know, Heidi Baker talks about um, the children that, that they've adopted or others who've been adopted. And someone says, a child may say, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I was adopted. And Heidi says, guess what? You were twice chosen. You were first chosen by the Father, and you were chosen again by your adopted parent. He says, you're blessed. Those orphans, he says, she says, you're blessed because you were twice chosen. And the others were once chosen. You know, God has chosen us. He said, you're mine. He predestined us as sons. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord, your God, is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
Therefore, I've drawn you with loving kindness. This is such a loaded verse. The Father says, I have loved you. Therefore, I have drawn you. Not that means your heart to seek God came from God. So since he put that desire to pursue him, since that desire came from him, you can only expect to, be, to find him. Jeremiah 29, I think it's 13, it says, I will be found by you. God promises us that he says, if you seek me with all of your heart, he says, I will be found by you. When you come after me, his promise, this is not a wishful thinking, this is his word, this is his covenant. If you come after me, if you come away, you set away, set aside that time, and you seek me, you will find me. What a wonderful promise from the Lord. Psalm 65, verse 4. How blessed is the one whom you chose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We will be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Again, it says the one whom you chose to bring near to you to dwell in your courts. God chose us to bring us into his courts. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced different measures of the presence of God. I think sometimes we can experience God's presence much like the uh, in the Old Covenant, there was the outer courts, there was the inner courts, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And so in the outer courts, you know, you had to have a lot of different things. There's a lot of requirements of the priests. In the inner courts, there's more requirements. In the Holy of Holies, there was more requirements. In the Holy of Holies, they used to tie a rope, Jimmy, around the waist of the priest so that when they went in to the inner courts, to the Holy of Holies, if they had sin in their heart, they would fall dead. And so they, had, they used the rope to be able to pull them out. <laughs> Thank God for grace now in the blood of Jesus. But in that time, there was, there was recognizable differences, different experiences in the presence of God. And I believe that's still available today. There are moments where we're in the outer courts. We've entered into his courts, but we've entered into the outer courts. But there are other times where we've pressed in a little further. Maybe we've consecrated a little bit more of our heart. Maybe we've set aside some things and we start to go into the inner courts. And then God says, hey, I want you to come a little closer to me. But you realize the closer that you go after him, the more you have to set aside, the more you have to lay down of this life to be able to go into that holy place. In the Psalm 65, 4, it says, How blessed is the one whom you chose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. God has chosen each of you to come after him into those courts. The only question is, will they be the outer courts? Will they be the inner courts? Or will they be the Holy of Holies? You're all called to come to the courts of the Lord. Which courts will you go into? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we, should, that we would be called children of God. And such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Note that is, that is the sound of intimacy. That God says, I will come dine with you. I will sup with you. I will have a relationship with you. But it's to the person that opens the door, holding the value to the value of his presence. First John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. 
purposefully, purposefully cultivating a hunger for God's manifest presence and an openness to experiencing the Holy Spirit deepens our friendship with God and our awareness that we carry His presence for the sake of the world. Psalm 73 verse 28 says, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. John 1.16 says, For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. The Beatitude from Jesus in Matthew 5.6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This thing of value in the presence, that hunger for him, he says, that came from me, and I promise you again and again, you're going to find me, and you're going to be satisfied. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Chico's Tacos here. You know, I went with Kayla and the kids when we first moved here because everyone was talking about Chico's Tacos, that it was the rage that you need to go to Chico's Tacos. Well, we went to Chico's Tacos. And it was the most disgusting tacos I've ever seen. I hated those tacos. I saw them and I, I was a customer. But I was not a satisfied customer. I was a client. I was not a satisfied client. I said, we want tacos. And they said, these are tacos. I said, these are flautas. These are not tacos. We, we just come from living in Juarez and we had good tacos. And so when we went to Chico's Tacos, we were thinking, oh... It's going to be the El Paso special. You know what? We were customers, but we weren't satisfied customers. Which one did you go to? I don't remember. One over here on the east side, I think. <laughs> it's not everybody's cup of tea. I, now, like, some, it. I some, like it. They don't. Some yeah. people love Chico's Tacos. Yeah. So if you're a Chico's Taco I don't lover. Like it often, but I like it about once a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so forgive us if you're a Chico's Taco lover. We hated Chico's Tacos. <laughs> So we were a customer, but we weren't a satisfied customer. So there's an experience of being satisfied, right? There's an experience where you're like, ah, that looks good. That's So the Lord says, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Meaning you come and sit at his table. He says, you will leave a satisfied customer. You know, the value for his presence, that's what God's, that's what the Lord's saying through these scriptures is, hey, if you'll invest time with me, you're not going to regret it. If you'll pay attention to my presence, you're going to be happy about it. It's going to fill you. It's going to warm your heart. It's going to fill your soul. Whatever you're hungering for, it's going to fill you. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. God is saying that there is a spread, a table. He says, come to the Father's table and eat at my table. If you will come, you can delight yourself. You know what it means to delight yourself? It means have your fill. Have as much as you want. Every Sunday morning, we do a breakfast spread, you know, that we all kind of are a part of. And you know what it is? Come and have your fill. Delight yourself in abundance. 
there's always more than enough. There's always some that gets taken home or gets gets unused, right? There's always, there's always more than enough. Come and have your fill. Delight yourself in this. First Corinthians three sixteen says, "Do you not know that you are a temple of the of God? Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you?" As a lifestyle, we practice recognizing God's presence while we minister to others, attempting to say what He is saying and do what He's doing. So valuing the presence means that we are paying attention to Him first in our ministry to people. This is key to seeing miracles. This is key to receiving words of knowledge, prophetic words, discernment of spirits. This is key to actively using the gifts of the Spirit. Do you pay attention to the presence when you're ministering to someone? If I go to pray for someone, it's easy to first acknowledge the problem, especially if it's a really big problem. What if their, you know, their foot is like pointing that way, or their leg is broken, or they're in a big cast, or they've uh, they got a big obvious glaring problem that we can visually see? Often it's hard to minister to them because our value system goes to what we see. We see it, and then it's tough to pray in faith. And so, when we hold the, to the presence as the chief value, that means we don't look at that problem. When I go to pray for that person, I look at Jesus. Because when I look at Jesus, His presence comes. And when His presence comes, I can pray in faith. When you hold to the value of the presence, it, it rightly aligns you so that you can be an effective prayer warrior. Even if you're not even praying over an individual, you might just be interceding for someone. Sometimes the problem is so big. It is so glaring. It is so huge beyond you that it's tough to pray in faith because the problem's so big. The value, the core value of value in His presence says, look at His presence first. I know there's a big problem out there. I know there's a big, big elephant to deal with. But just look at His presence and that elephant, it's almost like it shrinks. I would say you rise above it. You know, that elephant, if I was to physically walk up to that elephant, that elephant is so much larger than I am. But if I jump in one of those hot air balloons in Albuquerque, and I go up higher and higher and higher, as big as that elephant is, the higher I go, the smaller it appears. My perspective changes based on my proximity of awareness to the presence of God. The closer and more aware I am of His presence, the more I can speak in faith towards that thing. That elephant being looks so small. That elephant seems so powerless. That elephant, because you're, you're aware of the presence of God. John chapter 5 verse 19 says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that He Himself is doing. And the Father will show Him greater works than these that you will marvel. So again, the Son does nothing of Himself except what He sees the Father doing. So the value for the presence is I'm paying attention to God because God's going to give me a word. God's going to say something. And then I say what the Father is saying. John chapter 12, verse uh, 49 to 50 says, For I did not speak on my own initiative. This is Jesus. He says, I didn't speak on my own. 
But the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what I should say, as to what to say and what to speak. I know that the commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. John 14.10 says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does the works. 1 John 4.16.17 We have come to know and have believed that the love of God, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. The value for his presence is so much bigger than just uh, a fun topic. It says, as he is, so are we. The more we see who God is, the more we actually discover who we are. You know, it sounds difficult and can be a challenge, I think, at times for us to accept that the closer I draw to God, the more I see how holy He is. But then a scripture like this flies up and says, as He is, so are we in this world. God has called us to be righteous and truly holy. And we can believe that with our head, but until we've experienced His holiness, that's when you begin to see only by the grace and by the blood of Jesus, I am holy as he is holy. So scripture tells us, be holy as I am holy. And we think that is a, um, a challenge in our flesh or a challenge to things that we have to achieve of the do's and do nots of life. But holiness isn't achieved. It's received by the blood of Jesus. It is a revelation when you come into an encounter with the holiness of God. It takes faith to believe that word. That says as he is. So are you. Why do we value the presence? Because it tells us who we are. It tells us our identity. If you will draw near to God. He will tell you who you are. Jesus at his baptism. The father said. This is my son. In whom I am well pleased. If you draw close to God, He will tell you who you are. It's the biggest thing we could pray for someone to intercede is, God, let them draw near to you. Draw them after you, God. Draw them after you, God. Because when they have an encounter with Him, they suddenly know who they are. So this value has to be mixed with faith. I gave out declarations this morning. This value has to be mixed with faith. Uh, here, Friday, I'm going to hand this to you real quick. This comes uh, from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may have seen to come short of it. So what it's saying is that you can have a promise and not experience it. Isn't that something? That the promises are not automatic. It says it's possible for you to have a promise from God and not experience it. Or come short of it. Verse 2, for indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them. We must have read 30 scriptures this morning. It says the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith 
and those who heard. No, what it says is that when you hear the word, you're supposed to take it and you're supposed to mix faith with it. You gotta put something in there, you know? Uh, when we were getting that poll set for uh, power on the land, the guys, we had the team out there and they were, the construction crew was out and they're digging the hole, digging the hole because they got this big post to go set in. Well, when they set in the post, guess what they gotta put in the ground? Concrete. They gotta, they gotta get concrete so the post doesn't fall over, doesn't fall on anyone, and so it holds the power line strong. Well, the electrician, the guy that was sitting in the post, didn't think about that he was going to the desert and that there's no water in the desert. So he brought his concrete, but he brought no water. And so guess what happened? He was out there in the desert and he went to our big water tank. There's, it was all dried up, there's no water in there. We, didn't, we haven't had a need to fill it yet. And he had everything he needed to set the post in, but he didn't have the water to mix with the concrete. And without the water, that concrete was just like sand. He could have poured it in there, but it wouldn't have had the effect to bring solidity for that post. That's what happens with the word. Like the word is like that concrete. It's like that bag full of, it is powerful, but it has to be mixed with faith. If we don't mix faith with it, it's power to have effect is ineffective. Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you, you search the scripture because you think that in it is eternal life, but it testifies to me. So that sack of concrete would not have said, held that post for us as much as we want it, as, as real and as true as that concrete was. I think sometimes we, we put the concrete in, don't mix it with faith, and see the concrete not working. And we say, ah, the concrete doesn't work. That concrete's ineffective. How come that concrete worked for him, but it didn't work for me? Same thing here. The Word of God has to be mixed with faith. That's why it worked for one person and didn't work for this person. So, well, well I believed and I believed and they saw results. Well, they believed and they, they, didn't, they didn't see results. Are you telling me there's a lack of faith? Yes. That is the problem. It is a lack of faith. It is a lack of an encounter with God. It is a lack of an experiential reality. Yes. Are there moments, are there times that we don't understand that we can't explain? I think that is the exception, but it's certainly not the rule. But I can tell you that if you will mix faith with the Word, you will see more results in your life than if you don't. Exponentially more results. So we got to mix it with faith. And so uh, one of the ways we express faith is, uh, is that we believe in God's Word and then we speak it. And that's, that's kind of what's been taught largely, and I, that is true. But I want to interject something in the middle of that. Believing in God's word should bring you into the presence. And in his presence you speak. And that is practicing faith. Because believing isn't just like, uh, I believe the word mentally and I'm going to say it physically. That's really just dealing with, your, with the natural realm. That's dealing with your soul and it is dealing with your, with your, with your mouth, your body. But that doesn't engage the spirit. And so I have seen and witnessed many people who say, I know what the word says. Word says I'm healed. Word says I'm, I've, I've got more enough. Word says that. And just talking, 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 which is good. And I wouldn't say stop doing that. But so let's add in this other piece. That we're a holy temple of God. That his spirit is here. 
in us. I believe your word, and that word takes me into his presence. And in his presence, I speak faith. That's how you get results. You look at the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep when the world was, was being created. In the presence, the word of God came forth. It's the context of the word is always about this value for the presence. It's always about him. You can't disconnect from him and just do the word. The word brings you to him, and then we speak. So let's take a minute. I've got eight declarations that I wrote down for us. And um, I want to encourage you to speak these out every day this month. I mean, what's today? June 5th? For the rest of the month. I encourage you to speak it out. Stick it on your, on your mirror somewhere. Stick it on a laptop. Somewhere you're going to see it next to your bed. And say it with, with your mouth. But don't just do it just by, um, just by mental things. Acknowledge God's presence. Speak it out. So let's just do that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We just set our value system on you. We value your presence. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Just fill this room. We believe your word that was spoken today, God that we draw near to you and that you draw near to us. We believe it. And so we let your word bring us into your presence this moment. And by faith, let's just say this together. I am often overwhelmed and transformed by God's presence. I am often overwhelmed and transformed by God's presence. I love to soak in God's presence. I love to soak in God's presence. Lovers make better workers. Lovers make better workers. I am first a lover and worshiper of God. I am first a lover and worshiper of God. I am going to new levels in my intimacy with God. I am going to new levels in my intimacy with God. The ministry I lead. The ministry I lead is known for the manifest presence of the Lord. It is known for the manifest presence of the Lord. God's presence is released in everything I do. God's presence is released in everything I do. I will not go anywhere without God's presence. I will not go anywhere without God's presence. Like David. Like David. I am a man or woman. I'm a man. Like David, I'm a man or woman. I think, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure David. Nobody here is confused. Yeah, I don't think David was had a gender neutral problem. Okay, so if you're a man, say man. If you're a woman, say woman. Like David, I'm a man after God's own heart. Like David, I'm a man after God's own heart. I'm just gonna say I'm a woman after God's own heart. Thank you, dear. So. But I want, so some activation to do is just to put this somewhere. Say it out. Acknowledge it in faith. Last thing, I want, I want us to ask the Lord to do something. I want to engage the Lord. This is going to be an activation that I think you're going to enjoy. And it'll be something new for everyone here. So it'll be good. So we're going to ask God for a prophetic sign to remind you to focus on His presence. So what is a prophetic sign? A prophetic sign, sometimes that could be uh, a set of numbers of 22. And you just see 22 everywhere. And that become like a regular sign that you see. And it reminds you to set your focus on His presence. 
It could be the color yellow. And you think, you know what? That, that reminds me of going from glory to glory. And you think about that. And so let's first, let's, each ask, let's ask the Lord right now uh, for, for a sign. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, just to release over us, Father God, a prophetic sign to remind us to focus on your presence. God, show us what to look for. God, we ask you. speak to us, to give us a prophetic sign to focus on your presence. Now, if you got a phone or if you got a pen or something, I want you to write it down. Write down what came to mind. Could be anything. Anyone want to share what your prophetic sign was? Okay, we'll just wait. We'll just show you one. It's okay. I'll show you. Mine was the refrigerator. And I just thought it was coming. Kayla had these dreams about refrigerators. Um, just read uh, that the Lord, we had all these refrigerators in our house. And right now we have a, a tremendous amount of refrigerators for some reason. We just have like too many refrigerators. And last sort of sign and the refrigerator came on. And so uh, I'm going to look at something natural and it's going to remind me every time I go to the refrigerator, hey, God, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes on your presence. I'm going to dine at your table. I'm going to eat at the Father's table. I thought of green leaves. Green leaves? Okay, write it down or put it in your phone. That's okay. I was going to say plants. Okay. Like tall trees. You might make a little note in your phone. Yeah. Jimmy, what do you got? I was going to say plants. I was about to say in the mom said green leaves. So we can what I got. Okay, what is it? Instruments. Instruments. Okay, write down instruments. So, okay, so you got your prophetic sign, and uh, let's ask the Lord. God, what do you want us to do when we see this sign? Father, I pray, God, that as we go throughout the week, and we see these different signs, we see these little prophetic reminders, God, what do you want us to do when we see those signs, God? Well, I'll, I'll share mine. Um, I just see myself uh, just raising my hand, just praising the Lord. Just taking a minute, and just when I acknowledge it, praise you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I'm going about my day. You know what that is? Is I'm I'm going to stay focused on the presence. This is a month of being focused on this value. You know, the Lord is doing is it's, it's drilling it in me, and if you'll practice it, it'll drill it in you. When you wait on the presence of God and you speak out these activations, when you see that sign, whatever that was Lord gave you, and for me, when I go to the refrigerator, I say, praise you, Jesus. I love you. You know what that does? It's going to help me work on myself. <laughs> One, it's going to change my attitude. <laughs> Two, but I'm going to acknowledge the presence of the Lord all day long. Every time I go to the fridge, Bless you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, anyone else? What's the Lord want you to do when you see your sign? Audrey. Whenever, whenever I like walked up to my bed, 
I just sit on it and then I just then 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 I bite it and just start praising to the Lord. That's good. That's a really good place. Mm -hmm. Were you going to say something? Uh, yes, I felt like Lord said to thank you for his goodness every time I see leaves. Mm. When Kayla sees leaves, she's going to thank the Lord for his goodness. Woo! Come on. Go ahead. The Lord told me that it was fish, not plants anymore. It's a fish. It's fish, okay. And uh, What are you supposed to do when you see the fish? Tell somebody about Jesus. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great, Jimmy. I, do you I have am, breath? I'm to say a declaration. To say a declaration. Yeah. Okay. Which Come on. This particular one. And, and so. Amen. Amen. I love it. I love it. Yes, Audrey, one more. Minutes from was that whenever I, whenever I just see someone that wants to be prayed for the Lord, I'll just tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you, um, I'll say, I see someone who will be prayed Place, and, then, and then I know we will all just walk up and start praying. Sounds great. I like it. Jonathan, what are you supposed to do when you see your prophetic sign? Praise, give thanks. Praise and give thanks. Amen. And everything. All right. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks, Lord. We acknowledge your presence this morning. God, I pray this value for your presence would just go deep in our hearts. Oh, Father, I give you thanks for your presence right now. 